You can be seated this morning. So we're in week two of our series, Holiness of Heart and Life. I'm, do you ever do this? Um, we abbreviate so much in our English language, and I have lived in the South for so long that and has just become in. You ever do this? So we have this very sophisticated Wesleyan sermon series called Holiness of Heart in Life is how it keeps coming out of my mouth. But it's holiness of heart and life. And one of the things that, that you'll learn about John Wesley, and I, and I hope you'll see about John Wesley, is that the way he approaches life and faith is always with the word and. It's always grace and justice. It's always law and promise. There's always a middle way, and much of John Wesley's theology can be found in holding two things in constant tension with the word and. So holiness of heart, yes, of course. We've heard sermons on holiness of heart. I mean, we hear those sermons every week, right? But it's not just heart. It's holiness of heart and life. How do we develop a holiness inside of ourselves that flows out of ourselves? How does that happen? How do we do that? How do you develop a faith that reforms not only your life and your heart, but the world around you as well? That's the question that we're really looking at as as we look at John Wesley and uh, his theology and how it can impact us today. As I said last week, uh, there is no Christian denomination out there that you can go to that has not been impacted one way or another by John Wesley. He happens to be uh, the founder of Methodism, um, but he has been very influential in the history of of Christianity. And John Wesley uh, is one of these guys whose heart was set on Scripture. I want you to hear these words from his first volume of sermons. This is what he writes in the introduction to his first volume of sermons. He says this. He says, I want to know one thing. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven and how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended, has descended from heaven to teach us the way for this end. He came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Give me that book. Don't you love that has an exclamation, exclamation point on it? Give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. John Wesley is one of these guys who is very much about engaging faith and engaging the world around him, but all of that engagement began with centering himself on Scripture. John Wesley is a guy who's passionate about Scripture, and one of my favorite things about Wesley is that he called himself a man of one book. A man of one book. He was a man who centered his life on Scripture. But Wesley didn't just mean that he only read or valued the Bible by itself. What he meant was that there was one book. There was one book above all other books that was authoritative for his life and for those who would believe and follow after Jesus Christ as their Lord. There's one book. There's lots of other books you can read along with it, but there's one book that's authoritative, one book that shows us the way that we should go, that we should pattern our life Around Now, before you go thinking that John Wesley was some fundamentalist or literalist that just sort of opened up the King James Version and said, you know, God said it and I believe it, amen. You, you ever heard that one? God said it, I believe it, amen. That is not John Wesley, y'all. <laughs> that is not him at all. In fact, John Wesley was one of the most well-read men of his time. John Wesley was a man of one book, but he's also a man of a thousand books. 
we can read in his writings and we know from his own library that he consulted over a thousand different books over the course of his lifetime from, from Greek and Latin classics to, to all sorts of theology and science, nature. Do you know one of his best-selling books that he actually wrote was not a book on theology or Christianity? It was a book on medicine. And John Wesley was profoundly well-read. He wanted to know all about the world around him. But he held no other book higher than the Bible. So what does it mean for John Wesley, who's obviously well-read, to say that he was a man of one book? What he meant was that for him and for anyone who desires to become a follower of Christ, that there really is no other book that holds more authority for life and faith than the Bible. So he used scripture for the pattern of his life. Wesley wanted to be formed and to be molded by the word of God so that he might grow more and more into God's image. You can see that he valued scripture in the way that he writes. You ever notice that you'll say the things that you hear? You ever do this? Like you're riding along in the car um, and you'll listen to a song on the radio and all of a sudden you'll start saying the song, you'll start singing the song, singing along with the song. You ever do that? You ever read something and then find yourself writing it over again? You ever do this? I do this. I know this is true for myself, that if I read something enough, I'll begin to write those words down in, in the things that I write, from my sermons um, to even letters. I'll find myself writing things that I've read in other places. And if you take a look at John Wesley's sermons, his letters, uh, even the short memos that he wrote to his pastors, you see that they are just inundated with Scripture, that he'll take, you know, five or six uh, words from scripture or, or a phrase from scripture here and you'll find it plugged into his writing. Scripture, John Wesley believed, is something that wasn't just for memorization. It was something that should permeate every part of your heart and your life. And so you find scripture just sort of in strange places, in correspondence with preachers, in correspondence with his mother sometimes he would quote scripture. Um, don't do that, by the way, if, if that's your main means of using Scripture. Please don't use it just to quote it your mom. Scripture was central to Wesley, to his life and his faith. And that's an understanding that he himself gained from Scripture. If you have your Bible with you this morning uh, on your smartphone, maybe um, in a paper form or on your iPhone, go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 10. And here in this text, uh, Paul, um, who is sort of like a church planner, he's a missionary. He goes from place to place, forming communities um, around Christ and around worship. He writes a letter to this young church planner named Timothy, who we don't really know a whole lot about, but we do know that he has been brought up in the faith and that he's planted a church and he's sort of in charge of that church. And so, Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and he says this in, in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But the wicked and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. But as for you, Timothy, as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. Continue to remember the things that your mother and grandmother taught you, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from your childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then Paul says something that we all say, or we've all pretty much heard. He says this, that all scripture is inspired by God. Another way that you may have heard that is God breathed and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Now, you know what I love about this passage of scripture? It's that it challenges us And the way that we approach the Bible, it challenges the way that you and I understand and apply scripture to our lives. Because you see, at some point, most of us have been sitting in a pew, maybe when you were 10 years old, I think I was about 10 years old when I heard this sermon, when a preacher stood up in front of the congregation, he said, listen, your Bible is a handbook for life. Any question that you ever have will be answered in scripture. Have you ever heard this sermon? Forgive me, some of you have been around me for a while now, and you may have heard me preach this sermon before. Um, and, and so we get this mindset that every answer from Scripture should be easy, right? It should be a yes or no answer. That, that the Bible is sort of a manual for life, that every answer to every question you might ever want to answer could be found inside. You've heard that sermon. I've heard that sermon. But that's not the way that you and I should be approaching Scripture, That's not the way that John Wesley approached Scripture. That's not the way the Christian church has used Scripture throughout its history. Scripture doesn't give you easy solutions to all of life's problems, but instead it invites us into a pattern of living. Scripture doesn't give us easy solutions to life's problems. It invites us into a pattern of living that helps us navigate life in this world. It doesn't give answers. It invites us into a different pattern of living. That's why Paul tells us that Scripture is useful for teaching, and it's useful for correction, and it's useful for training in righteousness and telling telling us that the Bible is life's instruction manual. The Bible is not a simple toolbox. The Bible is a living, breathing document that can reform you and reshape you change your outlook on life from the inside out. It's not a book where you go to find, you know, four easy answers to your debt problems and all begin with the letter W. It's, it's, it's not that kind of a book. Wesley himself would tell you that if you're reading scripture that way, if you're reading scripture just for yes or no and easy solutions, you're missing the point. The point of the Bible is not to give you answers. It's to reform you, to change you. And the truth is, the answers that we get from Scripture about life and faith, they almost are always never easy, much less simple. Just think about what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to see these words on the screen. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the core teachings of Christ from Matthew chapter 5. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, 
turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go a second. Are these easy answers to life's problems? If someone's suing you, give them what they want and more. If someone wants you to go one mile, go a second mile, give to everyone who begs from you. What? That's not a simple solution to life's problems. And don't refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, that's Jesus, but I said you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You'd expect Jesus' core teachings, I mean, the center of who Jesus is in Matthew's gospel, be full of like easy life tips, right? Like eat this, don't drink that, do this and you'll be blessed. But instead, Jesus gives us complex answers to life because the truth is life is complex and scripture isn't just there for us to consume so that we can be happier. It's there to change every single part of our being so that we can become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So instead of seeing Scripture as a playbook for life or a toolbox to draw, th- draw from, you and I should see Scripture the way that Wesley did, as a rule of life and faith. Um, back in the Middle Ages, there were these guys called monks. You, you guys know what monks are? Um, monks were people who were set aside for religious orders. And monks lived by something called a rule. Uh, you, you might know about the Benedictine rule. It's a book that most of us have to read in college. And certainly if you ever go to seminary, you have to read something called the Benedictine rule. But a rule is not just a set of rules. It's a way of living, a way of being. That's what scripture is designed to be. It's designed to introduce us into a pattern of living that trans forms us. Developing holiness of heart and life requires that we do so much more, so much more than simply search the scriptures for answers or use the Bible as a weapon to beat down others, as people do occasionally. But instead, what the scriptures allow us to do, invite us to do, is to allow the Spirit of God to penetrate our heart, to penetrate our hearts, so that we can live differently in this world, so that we can be fitted and prepared for what? For every good work. That's the point. We engage with Scripture so that every good work might be possible, so that the Spirit of God might not just reside inside of us, but might flow out of us, so that wherever we go, the Spirit of God goes, so that wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes. That's why we read Scripture. That's while we dive deep into the heart of God when we read so that God's presence can be in us and with us. John's, John Wesley's legacy and Paul's words to Timothy challenge us to do so much more than search for answers. They challenge us to use scripture as the pattern, the pattern of our lives so that whether we're teaching, warning, training, whatever we're doing with scripture, We're equipped for the great things, the incredible things, the hard things. The things that Christ has called us to do. So that every good work might flow out of response to God's grace in our life. Scripture, when we stop searching for answers, 
and start letting it lead us, reforms us from the inside out. So I want to give you just very quickly John Wesley's advice on reading scripture. (laughs) You might think, more Wesley. These are timeless tips. Every book that I've read about scripture sort of begins this way. John Wesley says, if you desire to read scripture in a way that's profitable to you, then this is what you need to do. First, set apart a little time, if you can, in the morning and the evening for that purpose. Then John Wesley says, at each time, if you have leisure, if you have time, read a chapter out of the Old Testament and out of the New Testament. That is, if you can do this. If you can't, take a single chapter or just a part of a chapter. John, John Wesley's making this really easy, right? He's saying, listen, the most important thing is that you set apart time and that you engage with the Word of God. Then he says, read Scripture with a single eye, with a single focus, with a single aim, to know the whole will of God. To know the whole will of God. And a fixed resolution to do the will of God. And in order to know the will of God, what you should be doing is have a constant eye, have a constant vigilance about you. For finding how you can apply scripture to life. Serious and earnest prayer should be constantly used before we consult scripture. Because scripture can only be understood through the same spirit by which it was written. Isn't that a profound statement that scripture can only be understood if we're connected to the same spirit that wrote that, wrote that scripture? Our reading should likewise be closed with prayer, that what we read might be written on our hearts. It might also be of use if while we read, we were frequently to pause and examine ourselves by what we read, both with regard to our hearts and lives. This would furnish us with matter of praise, where we found God had enabled us to conform to his blessed will, and matter of humiliation And prayer, where we are conscious of having fallen short. And whatever light you then receive, whatever it is that you take from Scripture, you should do and use immediately. Let there be no delay. Whatever you resolve from your reading, begin to execute the first moment you can. So shall you find this word, the Scriptures, to be indeed the power of God present and eternal salvation. John Wesley believed that Scripture could show us the will of God, could help us understand who God is. But we don't know those things or understand those things by searching for answers. We know the will of God by conforming our lives to the patterns we find in Scripture. We know the will of God by allowing God's word to dwell richly within us. So my prayer for you this morning and throughout this week is that you might take some time just to spend in scripture, not searching the scriptures for answers to whatever problem you might have right now, but simply letting scripture sit with you. Take a short section this evening. Maybe read 1 John chapter 1. And let those words sit with you. Just sit and allow the scripture to form you.
instead of searching for what you might be looking for from the scriptures. One of the things that we find in scripture is that Christ invites us to know him and to know him fully, not simply through studying his word, but allowing his word to form us. And one of the ways that we allow that to happen is in community through this sacrament called Holy Communion. And so I invite you now uh, to follow along on the screen as we celebrate Holy Communion together.